The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Now here's David Tuttle and Astro's master of banter, Blummer. All right, we're gonna we'll talk a little bit about your dad, that legacy of the cruises in Houston. We'll talk about your uh, your World Series, your College World Series run. Probably, how many guys off that team ended up in pro ball, brother? Man? I mean, let me see. Like a lot of us made a pro ball. The big leaguers were David Ardsma, uh, Jeff Neiman, oh. Philip oh. Umber, who also threw a perfect game. Dude, um, your pitching staff was unreal. Uh, yeah, yeah. You wouldn't That's you wouldn't like to it. face this blummer. <laughs> you better believe it. I mean, we were. Pitching was magnificent. Um, our hitters were scrappy and, and gritty. Like if you look at our our team batting average, I want to say it was probably like three twenty something combined. Like just oh, to, and like if you look up and down that lineup, there was like a really good spread of RBIs. Like everybody was like probably like forty to fifty RBIs. And um, and the coolest story of all, though, man, it, it, to this day, is a guy named Jeff Jorgensen. Like he's a good buddy of mine. I. I admire this guy. This guy is like a, just a cool, genuine cat. But like his story is phenomenal. He played baseball in Memorial High School, okay, and went to Rice on a track scholarship. Fastest human being I've ever seen, right? Like just just about five ten. The first time I ever met him, we were in the weight room, and my buddy Austin Davis, who's on the team as well from Memorial as well from Memorial High School, they know each other from Memorial. He's like, hey, big, you gotta be my buddy, Jeff Jorgensen. And I pull up. We're in the weight room. I look to the right. This guy, this guy is bench pressing four hundred pounds. Okay. And then he pops up. He pops up. Like, just pops up. Hey, I'm Jeff Jorgensen. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? You know, like, like what? And he's a track guy. And he's like, yeah, man. So he's a track guy. And he just woke up one morning and was like, I think I want to play baseball again. You know, and he rolls up and he's a starting center fielder for us for the national championship team. It's crazy. A super freak athlete. Super freak athlete. He's still a super freak athlete to this day. Super smart, really? like he is the epitome of like the 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 student, the right student athlete. Like super smart, quirky, but just athletic and just unique. Really cool, dude. Yeah, that is legit. And so, so we. And he's hey, man, pro, we're gonna get the single one. I don't. I can't waste any more of these stories. <laughs> oh, so sorry. we're gonna we're gonna leave that first part in, and we're gonna introduce Enrique Cruz. We got a special guest uh, here in the bleachers, of course. Myself, Jeff Blum. I've got my buddy David Tuttle out there on the left coast, and we've got a good friend of mine. <laughs> who will probably end up being a good friend of Tuttle's by the end of this podcast because he obviously is a very good storyteller, uh, played collegiately. And if the name Cruz means anything to you and you're listening to this podcast, yes, he is attached to the Cruz legacy in the city of Houston that started with Jose Cruz and then obviously filtered down to Jose Cruz Jr. and to Enrique Cruz. Long line of, of ball players and deep knowledge of Houston. Enrique had the opportunity to play at Rice University, much like his brother, Jose Cruz. And he actually won up to him in college. He won a college <laughs> world series. So we are going to talk a little bit about that living in that uh, that massive shadow of Cheo. And then uh, he got a chance to play some minor league ball, never got the break, but also had a chance to work inside baseball. So we're going to go through a little bit of his career arc, and then obviously we'll get into the current state of the game. Because I think one of the more curious things is to hear how ex-ball players, current ball players, all think of this new modern-day ball player and ball playing rules. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. But Enrique already in on this podcast telling a great story about Jorgensen being a freak track athlete who ends up being the starting center fielder for a CWS championship team. Enrique, welcome to the show. David Tuttle, Enrique, Enrique, David Tuttle. 
Well, uh, get you guys introductions out of the way. How you doing, man? Well, I'm doing great, man. I'm uh, happy to be a part of this. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, watching it and following for a while. Blummer, your hair has been, you know, a fantasy of mine for many years already. So it's just great to see it in person <laughs> here. Uh, Tuttle, great to meet you. Also, just, you know, great to meet another former player, just an all around good dude. And anybody that hangs around with Blummer is okay by me. So this is a, a great to be nice. here and just fired up. So this is great. And Jorgensen, you know, he, like I said, is a freak athlete. And man, he is. He's on and off the field, just one of the most special human beings I've ever met. So I'm, I'm proud to be a friend of him. I think that, uh, nice to meet you as well, Enrique. I think the big takeaway from that story, when you see championship teams and caliber teams, it's not that it's not that the unsung heroes, you mentioned the pitching staff. I don't know if that mm -hmm. got into the story, right, with Neiman and Humber and um, uh, who was the first guy you mentioned? He was a high pick, uh, Ardsma. Ardsma. Yeah, Ardsma and and closer for the Giants. There you mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. But we, those those guys get all the publicity. But when you have a team that wins it all, and Blummer and I have talked about, you can do all the analytics you want. Like mm -hmm. it's got to be the chemistry and having all those puzzle pieces in place. And it sounds like that team, obviously, that you played on, um, had all the puzzle pieces in place, including this uh, secret weapon, Jorgensen. So no, absolutely. Uh, there's there's definitely a common denominator, right? The team chemistry is so important, but like how you mentioned, Total, you know, to have the 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 random, crazy storylines that just kind of fit that puzzle perfectly, like the Jorgensen uh, situation. Because I mean, you know, like I was mentioning uh, before, he was a track star, right? He was a super fast human being, super athlete. You know, obviously, uh, as I mentioned, the first time I, I, I met him, he was bench pressing 400 pounds. <laughs> you know, five foot ten guy like myself, and I'm like, who is this superhuman? Is he an Avenger? Uh, and then like all of a sudden he really like, he rolls out of bed and it's like, I want to play baseball. You know, I haven't played in like four years and sure enough, he was coordinated enough. He was honestly like, like almost like a Willie Mays Hayes character, right? Like hit the ball on the ground and boom, you're there. Right. Um, but the guy was just a super freak. And like I said, he, he played really good defense and he hit, he ended up hitting over 300. After, you know, taking well, a, damn, if you could run that fast, yeah. we'd all hit 300, man. Word, word on that, man. Um, but you know, and it's funny because his story is really cool because he also signed with the Astros. He got drafted in the seventh round, played some pro ball, uh, got hurt though. His foot got hurt and then he just stopped playing, but he's a super successful human being and super bright guy. Like I said before, man, Rice, you know, quirky, but super intelligent and super funny and super, uh, athletic and super, just a brilliant human being. All right. Speaking of quirky, mm -hmm. you know, obviously Rice is the cow of the South <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you said quirky about Rice. Yeah. I don't know if Tuttle knows this, mm -hmm. but you guys are basically Hogwarts, <laughs> aren't you? That is correct. You get that, co that that's a common denominator. <laughs> yes. Because Tuttle, I don't know if you know this, when you, when you're a freshman at Rice, you actually go through this initiation process where they put you in houses. Mm -hmm. And that's the house you're in for the rest of your career. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but tell us a little bit about that, Enrique, because your houses are tight. Man. No, they're they're tight. Uh, it's really cool um, because, you know, it, you're absolutely right, Blummer. It is like Hogwarts, and that's actually how I describe <laughs> it to people because they're like, wait a minute, I didn't know that. Uh, like, actually, I was sitting at a game this past weekend, and this individual I was talking to, he wasn't sure. He was looking at the, uh, you know, the profile of the player and was like, hey, so was he at Sid Richardson College before he came to Rice? And I'm like, no, 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 sir. That's not what that is. That's just, that's kind of our Greek mm -hmm. system, kind of like, you know, our Hogwarts, you know? So like he's part of Sid Richardson College. And like myself, I was part of Baker College. And my brother was a uh, Lovett College, uh, which still looks like a toaster. And anybody who knows goes to Rice and went to Rice <laughs> understands what that means. And then, my brother's and then my brother's rebuttal to me saying that would be like, oh, you know, it's riot proof. Because I mean, if anything crazy happens, that thing is not coming down. Like, it's just like this sturdy, hard, like just building that just needs to be, uh, you know, have a little facelift because it's still old school. But- uh, so Sounds like your brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I know, right? But, uh, but it's really cool and it's unique because like I said, every college has their own themes, has their own uh, songs, like to, to rally against each other. Like we have a, you know, during orientation week or O week, you know, everybody comes like almost like two or three weeks before the actual start of the semester of school for the freshmen, right? And mm -hmm. I'll never forget uh, being there. And we would just, it was like a, almost like, like you would wake up randomly at two in the morning, go do, you know, random adventures and check out the campus and compete against other colleges. And it's just a, really the grand scheme of it all is just a, an opportunity for the freshmen to come in and feel the uniqueness and the love of rice. And, you know, some of it might be, you know, super just, out of this world weird at times, but it's, it's unique. Right. And you leave, mm -hmm. you know, understanding that 
you know, another rice person went through that. So it's like, this is our, this is our little fraternity that we, we understand each other. Like, you know, and uh, it's just a lot of love and a lot of camaraderie. What I was going to say is uh, UC San Diego has the same thing. Mm. So the Greek system, obviously, at certain schools, and the bigger the school is, a lot of times, if you're not playing a sport, which we all did, of course, you're looking for connection. You're looking for a way to you know, stay with campus mm-hmm. and be connected to it. And then I, I like the fact that I don't think people know this, and obviously this podcast plays really well in Houston, so maybe more of our listeners will understand the rice. But yeah, I mean, rice obviously has a very good academic uh, reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, their athletics have gotten stronger over the years as well. But the uh, the the story that you just told will certainly play well um, anywhere to understand that, hey, as a freshman, my son's actually looking at colleges right now. He's looking at University of Washington and some UC schools. And, and I think... Uh, what it does is it creates connection, mm-hmm. which you already are articulated. So if you're not part of a team, you know, you have this baseball team and you already have your connection and your, and your group, but you don't have uh, necessarily a connection to the academics. And the other thing, I also think what it does, and we've talked about this, how baseball relates to real life is from an academic perspective, it gives you a break from your baseball team. Like, yeah, I like these people. I'm with them every day. I practice from two to six every night. We're in the weight room. Um, You have lifelong friends, but it kind of, I bet you have a lot of friends from your house and your rivalries with the other houses that were just strictly uh, friends that you got through either classwork or academics. And I think uh, it's, you're, you're selling rice really well right now. I'll tell you what, Tuttle, um, you didn't go to rice, but uh, you clearly could hang with us because you just, you definitely described that the second part of that, you know, unique coming together, definitely because, you know, we're all, you know, student athletes, right? You do sometimes as you come in as a freshman, you get locked into that one, you know, box, right? You're with your teammates, you're building that bond, but really the grand scheme of it is you forget that you're also a student, right? And you're probably going to be a professional or, you know, a human being, right? A normal human being, mm-hmm. uh, more years than an actual athlete, right? So, Getting that opportunity to meet those, you know, different people from different backgrounds that are also just super intelligent that you can lean on, right, is an opportunity for all the student athletes to take advantage of that and realize that, you know, uh, this connection, this this particular person that was, might be my roommate my freshman year might eventually be the CFO or the CEO <laughs> while I'm still freaking in double A or something, you know. So it might be an That's opportunity right. to, to get an opportunity to be, get a, get hired at some point, but also yeah. just the relationship part. Yeah, well, you and I are similar. Blummer's not. Blummer just said fourteen <laughs> years in the big leagues, and I'll just uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't need. I don't need the CFO relationship. <laughs> just kidding, Blummer. Just kidding, Blummer. It's all love. Uh, it's all yeah, love. I was going to say I, I don't it have is. a comeback for that. Other than that, I did you a solid by getting you on a podcast. That's even better. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I'll get you thirty-five bucks a month if you ever need it, dude. Uh, <laughs> hey, so talk a little bit about that team because in order for Rice to, you know, Rice is not a national powerhouse. I think we can be honest about that. And um, oh, and the other connection between all three of us, I think we made the right decision going to school and playing baseball because yeah. it did make us better people because mm-hmm. of just being well-rounded, working with others. And you're right, Enrique. I mean, there, there are attributes on both the academic and baseball side that help you in the future, mm-hmm. obviously, with uh, you know being around other people and trying to push that boat in the right direction. But talk about, a little bit about that team because Rice is not a notorious baseball powerhouse. I think Rice University is known for uh, baseball in, instead of football or basketball, so to speak. But uh, talk a little bit about that team. What made it so special? Was it just that you just you didn't have those superstars or was it the great pitching, uh, timely hitting? You know, What was that X factor that you guys brought and when did you realize that you guys were about to dominate this season? Well, uh, first of all, you just gave me chills because of all the flashbacks I'm having thinking about that year. Mm-hmm. But Really, I mean, I've always said this, and I, I, I don't know if I'm just, you know, the way I was raised or just the fact that, you know, Chet, Papa Chell is my dad. I'm, I have an old school appreciation and respect for the players that came before. So I have to say there was really a good foundation with the Big Brother uh, Juniors class from 1995. I mean, those guys put Rice on the map um, and basically allowed players from my generation to be like, oh my gosh, maybe Rice is an opportunity. Maybe Rice is a, a potential powerhouse. They've, you know, they've got players like Jose Cruz Jr. They got a Lance Berkman. They got a Matt Anderson. They got a Bubba Crosby. They got, they've had a hell of a run. You know, now. we had a, son, a phenomenal run. Um, 
And then guys that you don't even really know, like a Damon Thames, right? Like a, like a Kenny Ball, a John Skaggs, like all these guys, they were big time draft picks as well that maybe didn't get to the big leagues, but man, did they make their mark at Rice, right? Another guy too, Jeff Nichols, who I call the Greg Maddox of Rice. I mean, he wore the stirrups and, and threw freaking two seamers and sinkers. And, you know, I want to say he's got the most wins in Rice uh, history, but, you know, if it wasn't for those guys, I don't think the, the, uh, the band of, uh, <laughs> We jokingly called ourselves uh, with the reunion two, uh, two, three weeks ago. The band of misfits, you know, to, came together uh, and and went on this awesome run, you know, because I mean, it's this combination of of of, of guys that were JUCO guys, guys that were uh, solid high school guys, um, and transfers, and it was just an amazing uh, chemistry and uh, you know combination that just was the the perfect storm, uh, and the timing of it was phenomenal. And then, not to mention. Coach Graham that put it all together. Dude, salty, bitter old man running the show. Believe it. Believe it. <laughs> and he, I, I remember him. I remember seeing him uh, at the College World Series. Hey, so Santa Clara, where I went to school, we have the same thing. We have some like superstars and some people that have come through there. But we had, and I, I want to, I'm, I'm really sincerely asking mm -hmm. this. Um, at Santa Clara, we had two regional appearances in a row, like 40 win seasons, which was kind of the goal back then, right? With a 60 game season, 62 game season. Um, and we would go to the regionals and then we started recruiting. We're a Bay Area school, really small, but Division One baseball. We started recruiting in Southern California. So Santa Clara, Stanford, Cal, all kind of local there. You know, we would make some headway and we would play against the Loyola Marymount Pepperdine of the world. But then we would start recruiting in Southern California, where now you got USC, UCLA, Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach. And, and so my question really is, with Rice University being an academic powerhouse, Stanford can kind of always get the guys in that they needed to. Would you say that collection of team maybe started, like you said, with your brother? Were they doing a good job, or Coach Graham, band of misfits or not, getting some JUCO transfers, getting some amateur guys? You mentioned Memorial High School mm -hmm. during your story. So that's obviously local high school. Would you say Rice did a good job of getting the best talent from the local area, or did they start just, you know, going all over Texas and just trying to, you know, what, 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 what would you say coach Graham's strategy was in terms of how do you get that band of misfits together? I think, I mean, that's a great point total. Cause I think during that time and during that run, uh, you know, cause my brother was essentially the first really big recruit recruit for rice. Um, and you know, I mean, the funny story about that is, uh, coach Graham didn't even think that my brother wanted to go to rice. It was totally like, as I understand, the story goes, yeah. our, our really good friend, Victor Lopez, who was a, a Hall of Fame uh, women's track and field coach at Rice, fellow Puerto Rican, you know, knows my dad forever, right? So um, my, they were having a conversation, my dad and Victor, and it was a scenario was like, hey, uh, you no, know, Rice hasn't even talked to Cheito, you know, which is my brother, a junior, right? And um, all of a sudden, he's like, what? So he goes and talks to Coach Graham and, and says, hey, how come you guys haven't talked to Cheito? He's like, he wants to come here? <laughs> Yeah. So, so immediately like the, the phone call rang and, you know, they showed him the, you know, the campus obviously, which isn't quite what it is today, but you know, the opportunity to play local and the opportunity to play coach Graham. Cause there's also a, this is how you guys know this, how unique the baseball uh, life is and the, the small group mm -hmm. and, and, and unique club that it is coach yeah. Graham, you know, he played in the big leagues too. He had a cup of coffee with the Mets. Right. And it was a, you know, a minor leaguer, but he also threw batting practice to my dad back in the day when my dad played with the Astros. So, For real? yeah. So there, there's also there, a, a unique relationship Jeez. there. So, you know, all that together. Then the next thing you know, my dad's like, "Dude, Coach Graham, he's, he's going to give you a, a chance to play here. Come on." So, you know, uh, you know, three years later, he dominates first round pick, does his thing. But I say that all simply because, you know, it's to just describe again that all the local talent here in Houston. There's so much talent in Houston and just outside skirts of Houston that they didn't really need to recruit anywhere else, right? Like, the, the, right. you know, the, the combination of what we had in 2003, we had some guys that transferred from California, uh, some guys that uh, actually, uh, Arzma was a transfer from Penn, you know, and we had a JUCO uh, uh, guys that came from, I want to say, just outside of Texas or maybe some other state, but it was really all local, you know? And what yeah. was really unique about this crop of guys in 2003 was that, we all played against each other at some point, either in high school or in travel ball, or we played together. Shout out to uh, Mike Rutledge, uh, you know, uh, Houston Kyle Chapman, that, you know, he took us to Orlando. We played in Orlando. We played in uh, 
uh, Florida. We played all that stuff and we all played together. So once we uh, got together at Rice, it was almost like, it was like a glove. It was like, where you been? Let's do this, you know? And, and also to, to tap in another, my roommate, Vincent Sinisi, who was an unbelievable hitter, uh, got drafted, I think maybe supplemental or second round technically, but by the Rangers in 2003. And man, that guy had one of the sweetest swings of all time. He transferred from UT. So that was another thing. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that the academic side's tough, but that supports my point, which mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, maybe Santa Clara will listen to this. I hated that they branched out because we had some success and they started getting away from the formula. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like obviously getting yourself, your brother, some guys from Memorial, mm-hmm. getting your friends, these guys that you travel balled with, you're always going to get that. Hey, let's get this one piece. Like you said, an Ardsma, who's an intelligent guy, obviously mm-hmm. in an Ivy League school got a great arm, let's get this dude to come in. Mm-hmm. There's always kind of the stragglers, but it's because of what you guys created mm-hmm. um, locally in terms of getting the talent. Sorry, no. Blum, didn't mean to step on your toes. No, you're good. I just want to make sure that you point out that the, the academic side of it, that's what makes, I think, those run that much sweeter than any of the other ones because you can recruit your ass off at Texas, mm-hmm. you know, A&M, uh, Stanford. Like you said, you can just pay guys to come in. Right. But Bryce, it feels like you actually have to have a guy that is good but ha- can get into the school, number mm-hmm. one, and stay in the school right? because that was one of the things up at Cal. It was, you know, it was just hard enough getting people into the school and then you had to maintain your mm-hmm. grades. State. I mean, it's crazy what some of these schools do. So that's why I have a little more appreciation for what you guys were able to do. Now, that, you know, I got to go to the World Series in 1992 mm. as a freshman and walking into Rosenblatt Stadium was probably one of the more uh, magical, mystical opportunities I've ever had in my life. Uh, talk about playing in old Rosenblatt because that place holds a special place in a lot of collegiate athletes' hearts. You, you gave me chills thinking about it right now, Blummer. Like it, I still do about pl- playing there, man. I have vivid memories of digging in there. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, and I was lucky. I was lucky enough to play two years in a row there. I went on my, my sophomore year as well. And then went to go back junior year in 2003. But I mean, that first time that we walked in, man, I'm getting chills. That first time that we walked in that building, it was just so memorable and it was such a like, mm-hmm. wow, we, we made it. We're here. Like, you know, this little small private school with 3,000 kids, you know, uh, made it to the big show, right? And uh, and all of us, you know, like I said before, we were all we're local kids from Houston just, you know, to come together. This is a dream. This is like what little leaguers dream about going to Little League World Series, right? But this is like the big mm-hmm. time. This is a big stage. And uh, <laughs> the first thing I thought of was, man, all the players that came through here, all the old games I used to watch when the you know LSU hitting the walk off home with his hands up. We all up. watched those dude, videos, man. man. Yeah, dude. You know, those are so amazing times. And then to and like I said, I mentioned Damon Thames earlier. Like I said, I'll never forget watching that crop of Rice players that went to the World Series uh, before me because I was fortunate enough to travel with the KC teams and you know travel ball team, right? And we went to a World Series game. And as a 14, 15 year old kid, that is so powerful. I feel. Um, you know, to, to not only cement your personal goal of what you want to accomplish as a player. And then, uh, to, at that point, see Damon Thames, I'll never forget, man, this rail of a guy, six foot, probably <laughs> one fifty, right. Hits two bombs, but he was a super freak athlete too. He was a shortstop, good hands, played pro ball with the Cardinals. But like seeing that, it kind of almost puts an image in your head. Like, I'm going to do that. I can't wait to do that. And you can. Yeah. So that's even better. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's what you're trying to instill in all those young kids out there is that they can do this. Correct. And that's why, you know, I have a, a baseball academy that I've had for 10 plus years. And that's honestly my, the reason why we do a, a cruise baseball day at Rice. Cause I love being able to bring mm-hmm. these kids and let them see what potentially could be through some hard work, right? Get to it, you know, for hard work, you, you bust your butt, you, you make your high school team. And then all of a sudden you, you make your all district and maybe you make an all American or whatever, all state. And then you get to college and you get this stuff right here. You get these awesome facilities and you get the, you know, and then now you get the NIL. So, you know, that's a whole nother, whole nother <laughs> topic that I don't even want to talk about. Cause I'm like, man, oh, no. you know, but, uh, but it's just a wonderful thing to in- inspire, uh, young kids. And also to, you know, as an, as an athlete to see what you would like to accomplish and just have that image in front of you. So that the college world series, when we got there, man, it was just magical. And, uh, you know, to experience that, you know, it's priceless, man. It gives me chills. So I, I, I think it's great. The energy and the passion that you have is incredible, but I do think I forget. uh, You talked about getting chills and it makes me think about, you know, when I was 12 years Mm -hmm. old and 
We are my little league team in uh, Stanford, Connecticut. When I was 11, I was an alternate on the all-star team. They went to the little league world series. Mm -hmm. When I was 12, we came really close to going back like two games and we were crying, you know, that (laughs) whole thing. But I do think you forget how, how influential it can be just to shake somebody's hand or see somebody doing something that you want to do. And you don't know how serious you are when you're 11 Mm -hmm. or 12 or 13, you know, you watch these, you know, you're still playing grab ass and (laughs) you know, all you want is a blue, you want a blue snow cone after (laughs) the game, right? Like, Oh, I want that otter pop. No, I want a red one and a blue one. Like you're still a kid at heart, Mm -hmm. but when you see these, you know, and you came from a, 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 obviously a long line of baseball players, but maybe as you looked at, you know, your grandfather and you're like, hey, you know, that's a great accomplishment, but that's never going to be me. Mm-hmm. Instead, it can be you mm-hmm. and it can and, and, and it can it can light the fire in somebody. And I think just you have that passion. But I do think I forget even on this podcast when Blum and I kind of dismissed the fact, yeah, we played professional mm-hmm. baseball for 10 years, you know, 14 years. It's not a big deal. And we talk about how it relates to life, but that passion is just, it's coming through uh, in spades. And I really think it's incredible that uh, that you got to experience that, right? You got to see it. You went there as a 14, 15 year old, you got to see it from the, you know, the team mm-hmm. before, and then there you were uh, performing on yeah. that stage. So. And it just goes back to like how, you know, you were talking about Santa Clara, right? And just, it's really, really impactful. I think that those local kids in Santa Clara, you know, are, you know, are dying to get to Santa Clara, but they just need an opportunity and, and, a, and an example to be like, huh, yeah. that could be me, you know? Hey, let's uh, go back and talk about your dad a little bit. You did a great job of explaining your brother really having an impact on your path, but talk about growing up with your dad because, you know, both Tuttle and I, you know, Tuttle grew up on the East Coast, eventually the West Coast. I grew up in Southern California, so all I watched were San Diego Padres, Dodgers, and the Astros would come through and play in that National League West for so long. So even, you know, before I met you and got to know you and your brother as well as I do, I was a fan of Jose Cruz before all of that. And he was kind of that cult hero in Houston, and you'd watch him come through. He'd have those arms hanging out over the plate. He had this massive leg kick, and he would buggy whip stuff all over the field and and get hits. And you were like, damn, this guy's pretty freaking good, man. He had the high stirrups. Mm-hmm. Everything about him was appealing. And then, obviously, I get to play for him uh, when I come over to the Astros. But talk a little bit about growing up with, you know, he's not the Hall of Fame icon, mm-hmm. but inside the game of baseball, you can talk to a lot of people that are like, oh, I know Jose Cruz. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about growing up uh, with that as your father. No, I tell you what, I – um I was fortunate. I was, I'm, you know, I'm the baby of the family. So, um, I got to experience him a lot more than junior did. Uh, cause obviously, you know, my brother's older than I am, but he, you know, and, and pops was still playing during that time. But I mean, it was just, it was really cool. And as I was a, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand, you know, I, I, I kind of knew, but I didn't really know. And it wasn't, really, you know, it's just dad, right. It's just dad. <laughs> He's got the best left-handed BP I've ever seen. Right. Um, ever, you know, but it's just one of those things where, you know, it wasn't until high school where I truly understood, you know, his stats and what he meant to baseball, um, you know, because I would go to Puerto Rico and see him manage in winter leagues, right, and, and do all that deal and see the respect that all the other players gave him. And and, <laughs> and when I think about winter ball, I, I can't help, and I, you know this story, Blumber, but I can't <laughs> help but just always hear these stories about the legend that is my dad, right? Because one of them, oh. Tuttle, you, 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 I'm sure you haven't heard the story, but... One of them is literally the legend of the K100 slash fungus. K100, that's the only, yeah, K100 story is the best. Hey, I'm talking about this cat would tell me, oh man, you know, and he he starts acting it out like he's like in the batter's box, you're about to go in, right? Starts rolling up his sleeves, like, oh man, you know, I remember, you know, (laughs) I I went in there, I couldn't find my bat, and I was like, you know what? I'm Mm going to use, I'm going to use a K100. And he got up there with a K100, hands up high, and went deep. And I was like, what? There's no shot. You did went deep with the K100, and I went to Puerto Rico. And I think my first year as a pro, one of the coaches from the team in Caguas was like, "Hey, Chael, remember that time you went deep with that K100?" I was like, "What? That was real? Like, there's no way. There's no way, man." So, but like you know, things like that, dude. He did it in batting practice when I was with the Astros. I know. <laughs> 
I mean, we were like, this is BS. Yeah. We're like, no way. Because your K100 is a skinny yeah. little bat, maybe a little bit of a barrel. And the, the barrel was like three inches right. big because it was just for fitting ground ball. He stepped in the batting cage and hit one out. We were like, yeah. all right. Yep, that, that's what I have a, a K100 in the closet. I can go hey, get it. Let me tell you. <laughs> hey. I do. I swear. Wait, I used seriously? to hit fungos and I got a box oh. of bats at the end of the year. I've got, I Holy swear shit. to God, next podcast, I'll grab a K100. I have. I know exactly yeah, what it looks like. Pick that thing up and try. Hey, think about trying try to hit a home run. No, I mean, I was just working on back backspinning my ground balls, you know? That I, I had to make myself valuable in many ways. Hey, Tuttle, will you hit us fungos? Absolutely. I can backspin those things, but oh, going it. yard with him is a whole different thing. I would prefer, as a pitcher, to have every single hitter step into the box with K100. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, absolutely, man. But Pops, man, just, uh, you know, he, he is a special human being, man. He is... He has, he, he, he dude, Pops, Pops is like just a blessed guy, man. He, you know, who would have thought this, uh, you know, six foot, you know, from a small town, Arroyo, Puerto Rico, you know, that just had no, no real dream or thought of playing in the big leagues as a kid. I mean, he was just basically, you know, I, I want to say like one of like, you know, seven kids, you know, that was just out there trying to survive and live life. You know, his mom, you know, was, uh, you know, worked in schools and cleaned, you know, the hallways and whatnot. And his dad was just, you know, in and out of his life and stuff. So like, it's just one of those things where, you know, I, I commend him because it's unbelievable to, to leave, you know, Puerto Rico, not speaking the language at 18 years old. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, to be honest with you, for him to play pro ball was unbelievable because in the amateur status in Puerto Rico, you know, he got cut like three or four times. Like none of the little towns wanted Jeez. to sign him. And, and it's just like, wow, the one, one random guy, uh, uh, Mr. Feliciano, who, who, who to this day, my dad is like indebted to him. Like whatever, whenever he calls, and this guy, by the way, is a hundred years old and still kicking. It's like super smart, like unbelievable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, literally to this day, he's there for him at any point because he, he, he remembers that he was the only guy to give him a chance and believed in him. And, you know, to, to have that faith in someone and then all of a sudden him turn into like the big leaguer that he turned into is just it's unbelievable it's like the chances that really happen are like gotta be like one in you know obviously like three million or so i, don't, I can't give you that yeah, but it's just crazy and then to be the player they became and not only that he had two brothers that got to the big leagues too you know tommy and mm -hmm. hector um you know some of the best hair flow that you'd ever see in the big leagues legit uh i think it relates to exactly what you hit on before which is i mean he showed you guys mm -hmm. the way right so you, maybe you maybe you get as far as he does maybe mm -hmm. you don't and maybe you don't really like baseball but if baseball is your path and you want to pursue it hey there mm -hmm. is a way right and it sounds like he showed his brothers that oh, as absolutely. well i mean that that's the that's the hardest part and i think you give your dad a lot of credit for that which is there was no path mm -hmm. for him. He got cut a bunch of times. He made the path, and then he, he opened that path up to you know his family and other people that respected him and looked up and, to him. And, so and by the pretty, way, pretty super incredible. shout out to him, obviously, because uh, you know he's uh, been a, a very good example, right? Uh, you know how to carry himself and to uh, you know be kind to everyone. Uh, I've never seen that guy say no to an autograph. I, I, I sometimes have to uh, in my time working for the Astros. I remember I had to be the uh, security. Like, hey, we gotta go, we gotta go. Sorry. If you want to gotta walk and talk, walk and talk, walk and talk, walk <laughs> and talk. Play the bad you know, guy. I'll be the bad guy. Pops, I'll be the bad yeah. guy. But also, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but he's actually about to be inducted to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame this weekend, which is pretty cool. Dude, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, on Waco, so it's pretty cool. Well, it's shoot, it's just a matter of time before he gets into the Houston Sports Hall of Fame, too, man. He's already in it. He's already in it, man. Dude. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. he's got the the cream colored jacket. He's got the orange jacket. He's like Dude. <laughs> well, what, there's nothing left to do but be in the state, huh? Yeah, it's Jeez. it's literally the. Uh, I think it's right now he's going through that Hall of Fame uh, farewell tour. Like, all right, like you know, yeah. I mean, he, I think he got it's amazing. He got inducted into the I think uh, the Latin American uh, Baseball Hall of Fame as well. Well, duh. Uh, nice. Obviously, in the Puerto Rico one, but like you know, it's just it's pretty fun and pretty cool to see him kind of you know reflect and uh, and see that respect that people have uh, you know show him. So it's pretty cool. I, I do the walk and talk for Blummer. Like, Blummer, stop signing autographs. Come on, come on. We got to get, we got to get. I do it for him all the time. Hey, I, I do have one question yeah. about Puerto Rico. Yeah. I, I had the good fortune, 1997 yep. or 98, to play for the Mayaguez Whoa. Indios. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and, uh, we had a, a, yeah, and it, it was awesome. I mean, we, we had, I think, you know, a few, uh, 
you know, gringos go down there and like get them. We just throw them in the throw them in the mix, but uh, or I guess expats. But uh, Mayaguez was kind of all the way around, right? You know, I mean, you obviously know. I was wondering if you had any experience there. I mean, the locals are so well respected. You know, Benji Molina was on our team. We had Coco Cordero. Oof. We had Jose Jose Pito Hernandez. Woo! We had a we had a really yeah we had a good <laughs> squad, but. That we were kind of the far end of the island, yeah. so every time we had to go play in San Juan or Caguas, you mentioned like there, you know, it was a long drive. So I just remember them telling us like, don't stop at, uh, don't stop at red lights after midnight. You know, just kind of give your like, yeah. you know, your California stop. We call yeah. it out yeah. here. It's probably a, a, a no- so we just kind of do the drift. But I didn't know. So you obviously went down there with your dad. Mm-hmm. He's from there. Did you or your brother have the opportunity to play down oh. there? What do you know about that? winter ball baseball and it was a great experience for me and as I always tell Blummer my favorite was and this is my little story that he's heard it's not quite the K100 story (laughs) but um, they told me I made it through the whole season I was kind of a setup guy I was pitching decent and uh, they said you know we're going to the Caribbean World Series all right we're in it here we go get my bags packed I'm gonna get on the plane and they're like hey uh, Tuttle come here (laughs) and this is like they're like so, uh, do you know who, uh, not you, but this is the, do you know Dennis Martinez? I said, yeah, Dennis Martinez. Yeah. From Venezuela. You know, he's got, he's like the greatest guy. Yeah. So we're going to sign him. We're going to bring him to the Caribbean series. He's 41 and we know you're 27 and, uh, he's going to be in the rotation. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just like, you know, just like baseball, yeah. just like baseball. They're like, so great, this is the, it. right. Yeah. You did great. Beat it. And you know, so the key to the story, I think they went to the semifinals was this was cause Blummer knows about playoff shares, but I show up to spring training the next year with the, with the diamondbacks and we're playing the Cubs. We go down somewhere and the trainer of the Cubs was our trainer in Puerto Rico. And was he it, comes wait, up wait, to me. Was it, was it Steve Melendez? Yeah. Steve yeah. Melendez, you know, yeah, Steve. Huh? Oh, all crazy. right. Great. Look at, see, we knew we, we'd we get are, well. we are all connected, Tell man. You. Melendez goes like this. Hey, Tuttle, come over here. And he opens up the envelope, yeah. right? And there was a bunch of cash in there. Like, this is great. So it was the best, the best cut, the best cut story I ever had. You know, hands me an envelope full of cash. You know, something like four grand yeah, hey. in cash. I was like, all right, there's my playoff share for doing nothing. That, that, getting that's this that's the beauty. That's the beauty of winter ball, baby. You know, that's how it goes. Yeah, it is. Hey, thank you for your service. You weren't there, but we love you. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and it, you know, and you understand yeah. it, right? You and I both played, you know, uh, yep. minor league ball for a long time, and getting up and down and going to camp, and you know, you're around the game long enough that call that you know, the old Bull Durham, like, hey, Crash, I want you to come in the office. That happened plenty of times, but it was a little unexpected, but I guess, you know, a Hall of Famer, Dennis Martinez, you know, takes your spot, you tip your cap and you take your envelope full of money. Dude, I got, I got a, uh, a somewhat of a similar story. Um, my first year in, to, uh, in Winter Ball was 2003, 2004 season, right? So uh, we're my dad's the manager, um, you know, we're, we're kind of a band of misfits in that Ponce team. Uh, but you know, a lot of good chemistry and, and camaraderie, um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, Carlos Rivera was on a team, uh, Raul Casanova was on a team, uh, you know, and we just didn't have a bunch of super big leaguers, right? We were triple A, double A, uh, maybe some 40 man guys. Uh, but <laughs> you know, we win it, we win the league and it was awesome. Pops got, you won the whole we thing? We won Puerto Rico. We didn't win the Caribbean World Series, okay? Uh, I don't care. Yeah, but let me tell you, but it was awesome. That's I, pretty right, so, 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 bummer, right? It's pretty cool, right? So I went, I'll go from a College World Series win that goes straight to Winter Ball and win a, a championship with my pops. Dude, just put Enrique on your team. You're going to win, dude. Believe it, man. Yeah, I feel like right. I'm the Orlando Cabrera. Just put me in for some good vibes and we're going to win something. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we're we're going to bring him on the podcast. We'll make, we'll bring him on the podcast every week. We'll make more than 30 bucks Believe a month. Believe it, buddy. There we go. Believe we I, I'll, help you, I'll help you get to 40. I'll help you get to 40. Um, but, bro, so like, you know, we, 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 we get on this great run and we ended up beating Caguas because during that time, Mayaguez in my era, Mayaguez was always really good. You know, they're like the Yankees of the Puerto Rican League. They're, they're always in the mix and they've won a lot of titles. But uh, the last time uh, Ponce, I think, won the league was, I think, the year I was born. So, and, and I think Pops was a, a player at the time when they won it. But anyways, so Dad gets manager of the year. I get second for rookie of the year. Uh, but I... Um, I had a really good postseason. Like I hit maybe one homer or two homers during regular season, hit four in the playoffs. I just went off. Damn. Uh, but what was great is that we beat Caguas. And, you know, I love, I love my brother, but Alex Centron was on that team, right? Alex Cora was on that team. 
uh, freaking they had the they big had dogs. the big dogs, man. Like they yeah. were the favorite, and uh, and we had Jose Molina on our team, and uh, and they had Alex Rios. Like it was just it was just you know it was basically David versus Goliath in a sense, right? And we went over there and we and we beat them, you know, <laughs> and uh, and you know we went to 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 the Dominican. But the whole point of the story to, to kind of make the uh, all full circle, what you said, Tuttle, is that uh, we ended up having, I ended up going to Dominican, thank God, but just to, for the experience, right? But th- we brought in Carlos Baerga. And Carlos Baerga, you know. <laughs> bringing the, bring the ringer, man, you know. And I'm like, cool. I just, you know, I'm just getting my seeds and watch the game. It's cool, you know. <laughs> but, oh, my yeah. gosh. It's unbelievable. Yeah, After you hit four bombs, <laughs> yeah. you're like, dude, yeah, we, yeah, got, second, we got this other guy. Second place for rookie of the yeah. year in Carlos Bayer. Yeah. I mean, you, no hey, problem. just no problem. take your medicine, yeah, I mean, I get Take I your get medicine. It. Hey, vet, veteran, go for it. I get it. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I, I I love the stories. This is this is why hanging around ball players spirals out of control and just turns into <laughs> these great stories. But it's amazing to me. I was I never got to play. My winter ball were were, were paid vacations. I, I you know I didn't get to go to Puerto Rico, Dominican, Venezuela, Colombia, all these places. But it's amazing to me in this game of baseball that you guys could have never met. Yet there's two or three people that you're connected to, and you end up playing in the same vicinity of each other, you know, in winter ball. So it's just wild to me to have some of that stuff unfold. So I appreciate the stories greatly. <laughs> and now, now, I mean, if we had enough time or I was Joe Rogan <laughs> or somebody, we could probably sit here for hours. But, uh, you know, that being the case that we're, we're a small time right now, we'll have you back when we're big time. <laughs> Um, but, uh, let's fast forward a little bit to, uh, what the big league game is like Mm -hmm. now, because you had a chance to work in the front office for the Houston Astros and you kind of saw their evolution. And now you're watching the game the way it is. You had plenty of, of pro ball experience, plenty of collegiate baseball experience with the new rules being implemented. How much of the game have you watched this year and what, what's your opinion on what's going on? Well, I mean, uh, at first I didn't know what to really make of the pitch clock, um, but I kind of like it um, only because I am looking at it not from a player perspective at this point, right? Uh, I'm so mm-hmm. far removed um, that I, I can I'm only imagine that as a player, it would kind of get annoying, but, but the adjustments would be made. I mean, I remember back in my time in the minor leagues, they, they implemented the uh, one foot in the box rule, right? So they wouldn't let us do that crap. Mm-hmm. But, and that was kind of, you made an adjustment and you moved on. Um, but I think from a, a fan perspective and as a former Astros employee and just like, uh, you know, someone that's, you know, working in the baseball area, right. The, f- the fact that the game is in the seventh inning after maybe two hours is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think for, for, for the time aspect of it all, you know, and for people that are bringing in families and kids to be home and be able not, not to, not to say no to an invite to a Billy game because it's at seven and all of a sudden I got to take my kid home or whatever and all that stuff. I mean, they're going to be done by nine, nine thirty. you know, it's like amazing. So mm-hmm. that regards, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. Um, but I understand how it could, it could mess certain uh, players rhythms and their superstitions and whatnot. But I think adjustments will be made. That's just my opinion. What about the bases or any of the, the the pickoffs? I mean, have you have you been to a game to see the size of that base? Because yes. the collegiate game doesn't I, have that base yet, does it? No, I, no, the, I, I don't believe they have the base yet. I have not seen the base yet, Blummer. Is it that big of a difference? Dude, it's wild in person, man. It It, mm. it is considerably bigger, even though it's only three inches, but we know how much that matters in life. Yes. But, um, right. I mean, yeah. I can, only, I can only imagine how, you know, for real, like, like dude, I mean, now if it's three inches – you know, people that are stealing bases, right? That's just going to be a, a, a easier deal for them. I mean, those three inches are so huge when it comes to that one little factor. I mean, yeah. stealing a bag. We did yeah. the stats last week. I mean, I think it's sixty-four percent stolen base rate uh, last year, and I think it's to eighty-one percent right now. It's something eighty-one to eighty-two. It's some pretty significant number. Yeah, I, they, I remember seeing uh, they were talking about. I think on Baseball Tonight or something, and they were mentioning how the early numbers are saying eighty percent, but that they feel that. That will probably trickle down, trickle trickle down as the season progresses. But because these are like the you know early numbers, but who knows? I mean, I'm a fan of the stolen base, so mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Trey Turner might go forty forty at some point because I mean he is just a, a beast. Well, um, our two our two thoughts. One was I, I have two things that I've been consistent about. One is that 
your catcher becomes more important. We always talk mm-hmm. about quarterbacks in base in uh, football, but in baseball, right. in baseball now, the catcher, like you got to get one of the ten or twelve best catchers. How they call a game, how they keep the pitcher uh, organized on clock, but also being able to throw out those base stealers and not having that's going to be a huge part. And then my kind of it's the wait and see approach and you probably haven't done a whole lot of research on it but my thing is the playoffs like will mm. they adjust the pitching clock for the playoffs because I don't mind a three and a half hour game four hour game when it's a two to one game in the right. eighth inning and it's raining out a little bit and you're in Yankee Stadium it's Yankees Red Sox or Astros Yankees like I think that's where speeding that up is sometimes you know I don't know. I think that's where it's going to mostly affect the game. But as far yeah. as the season, I mean, we talked about beer sales. I think they've already moved beer sales yes. <laughs> in Milwaukee <laughs> to the eighth yeah, inning, man. like finish up yes. the eighth inning. So so those are the little things we've been talking about. But I think playoff baseball will be where the rubber meets the road. I don't know what you think about that. I think, I think you're 100% right. You make a very, very good point because – Look, I mean, I'm sure you guys saw a lot of the World Baseball Classic, right? That's the baseball we grew up watching. Um, and they were magical. And not at any point that I feel, oh, my God, this is a three-and-a-half-hour game, Completely right? Because agree. the passion and the comp- competition was just so impactful. Um, and But I agree with you, Toto. I think that in the postseason, there, there, there may have to be some sort of addendum to the rule because maybe like in the seventh inning on, hey, let them let them play, you know? Let's not let let's not let a, like a, a a a pivotal moment in the ninth inning, like I've seen in some college games, you know, be decided because the guy didn't look up when he still has eight seconds left. I mean, give me a break, you know, mm-hmm. ball game on that? No way. There's no way. Or kill a rally on that? There's no way. So I agree with you on that. Somebody needs to step in and, and clarify that. Well, you, Enrique, you know as well as I do. Tuttle knows it too, man. I'm I'm making the you know the money you know uh, hand gesture because mm-hmm. the one thing that will affect all these rules is money. If if you start right. getting into pockets and you affect concession sales or you affect mm-hmm. a guy's career at the you know if you start taking away at bats from players, they're going to start to get pissed. Or I thought about something the other day, and I don't know how you guys feel about it, but you know, having been down here in Houston through a summer or played in Atlanta during a game in July or August. What the hell is a pitcher going to do with the pitch clock clicking, ticking away over his shoulder as he's sweating bullets, throwing 10, 12 pitches to a hitter? Yeah. That guy's going to be gassed. It's true. Well, we talk we talk about high leverage, right? There's that high <laughs> leverage. Yeah. Like, no, it is. It's high leverage, like pitch clock and nervous. And mm-hmm. So that, that, uh, that reminds me of what I witnessed uh, opening day, watching the game from my house of my son. And I saw which I thought was interesting, but as a player, as a former player, I was kind of like, I don't want that distraction. I, you know, watching uh, uh, Bregg with the earpiece on, having an interview, I was oh, like, Oh, dude, Whoa. that was crazy what they do now. That yeah. was wild to me, man. My heart was like pounding for him. Like, uh, like you know, <laughs> he's going to get a ball. And I was my, my biggest anxiety fear for him was that he gets a ground ball and th- makes an error, you know, because of know. potentially that, that back and forth. Um, but really the biggest takeaway was how, like, how many pitches were thrown in between? Like he had to get set. Uh, he okay, was breathing. Set. And it's like, whoa, man. You know, like, See? dang, he's, he's getting some cardio in there. So <laughs> for sure. So uh, this is, that's something as a, as a you know former infielder guy too, I didn't even think about with that regards. So. I, I, this is my last thought on that. I was just going to say, uh, Theo Epstein was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast last week. And it's really interesting to hear a guy who, you know, built obviously the Red Sox championship and the Cubs and he's competitive and he's saying that's kind of his, but he's in, in had a lot of influence and he wanted a seat at the table with these rule changes. And he talked about the intentionality of what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll see what the playoffs, we'll see that. But what stuck with me, um, and you just touched on it, you know, the interview with Bregman and some of these superstars is all season long. It's like, all right, Dak Prescott, is he going to be the Cowboys quarterback? It's like, we're in the middle of baseball season. We should be talking about baseball and Dak Prescott hasn't done anything. Mm-hmm. And on Tuesday, we're like, Hey, is he still the quarterback of the future? He was a top 10 quarterback. It's like, how do we make baseball more relevant in that conversation? Now the NBA is out like LeBron James, Steph Curry, they get some publicity. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, the world baseball classic. We need to make some baseball players more superstar um, kind of put him in that superstar echelon and how do we do that? And that's what baseball is trying to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how we get there, but baseball is kind of in that 
you know, in that moment. And I think at least it's nice to hear that the intention is that now when you get on these, you know, fake argument TV shows in the morning, like let's make that fake argument about who should be batting third or fourth in the lineup or, you know, what about that error? Um, you know, let, let's make that relevant instead of talking about whether Dak Prescott's going to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys in the future. I think that was, it was nice to hear and refreshing to hear that at least somebody in the front office of baseball is thinking about how we make the Shohei Otani and the Mike Trout battles uh, happen and make them more, you know, marketable. And as Blum said, the money sign, like how we make that more relevant for us and the sport that we love. Hey, uh, Tuttle, you just, um, you mentioned the Trout and the Otani deal. I mean, I'm sorry, that still to this day is one of the coolest things I'd ever seen. I mean, the World Baseball Classic. I mean, the the big thing is how do we make more of those moments on a regular, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. I think, I think our, out of Anaheim. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, no, I mean, that's in the literal sense, Blum. I mean, I get it. I get it. But I'm just talking about like in baseball in I general, know. man, you know, like it's just, yeah. you know, cause I, everybody wanted to watch that matchup, oh, man. And, and just, and do it. I mean, Otani, he tested them and you know, he got them. I mean, then, Dude's then, filthy. then you throw the, the, the grand, you know, slider of death, you know, it's just not, not mm-hmm. nice. But, but I just think that if baseball can find a way, to create maybe those kind of storylines and, and, and create something of, of interest like that. Yep. Um, you know, fan base is going to go up. The interest is going to go up. There's not, there's not going to be any, you know, football or NBA conversations being had. It's going to be about baseball, especially during the best season of the time, right? Spring season right now, mm-hmm. baseball season. So like, but it's just tough. I mean, maybe, I mean, the 162 game season, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it, that's the part that kind of gets into a, a big conundrum and, and the topic of our debate. So do we shorten the season? Do we make seven innings? Blah, 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 all this stuff. So I don't, I don't know. know. No, there's plenty to go on. Obviously, we could sit on here for hours, but I got to thank you for spending time with us, Mr. Enrique Cruz. You know what's great about the Cruz family is that each each generation, each level has had their moment of success. So congratulations on uh, celebrating that World Series back in 2003. Continued success to you. And hey, man, I'll see you on the course someday, man. My swing's getting pretty good, dude. Oh, whatever, man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not I, buying. He's I, I'm to not see buying it. it, bro. I'm not buying it. But hey, but I appreciate uh, appreciate you guys having me. Always a pleasure. Tuttle, so good to meet you, man. Like I said, any friend of, of Blumber is a friend of mine. So uh, I, I got to really, for the next time, hopefully step up my, my earpiece game for you guys. I went old school. I'm attached to this uh, phone, but I just wanted to make sure you hear me clearly. Hey, <laughs> next time Tuttle gets in town, now we can go out and have a couple of beers, and then the stories will really start to oh, flow. Oh, my gosh. Especially right. if he's got Puerto Rico stories. I mean, we could talk oh, yeah. He does. Uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> All right, guys. Leave it. Thanks, Enrique. Yeah, no problem. Again, every podcast, we appreciate the military, both home and abroad, protecting us uh, and keeping us in the, in their their forefront of their thoughts and protecting us and sacrificing so much. All the veterans that have served, we appreciate you also. First responders, police personnel, fire personnel, EMTs, everybody that uh, rushes into harm's way to protect us. All of the uh, first responders, I think I just mentioned them again and again, but uh, all of the uh, essential workers, doctors, nurses, all the uh, teachers out there, the essential workers stocking shelves again. We appreciate everybody out there who's working extremely hard and letting us be a part of your day for a brief moment. We greatly appreciate you. Yeah, and if you're over the age of 45, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And always on this podcast, we encourage our listeners to get after it and believe it. Believe it! Believe it! Believe it!